Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Fosel. We're going to start off this show with the Republicans holding the debt ceiling hostage. Move on to Fox spreading lies again and follow all of that up with the curious resurgence of child labor. Let's begin, shall we? The debt ceiling is all the Republicans want everyone to talk about. And as of the taping of this show, the Speaker of the House only because they voted 15 times, and the worst, Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden have come to, yeah, no, they haven't come to an agreement, but that doesn't mean that there isn't plenty to talk about, specifically how Republicans have been pushing the narrative that this entire crisis isn't their fault. For example, here's Kevin McWiner on why he is totally not to blame. So it's not my fault that the Democrats today have become so extreme, so far to the socialist wing, that they are now opposed to work requirements. But if AOC and Bernie Sanders is going to run their party, that's not my fault. It is not my fault they won't take action. It is not my fault that the president would not meet with me for 97 days. I'm sorry. It is not my fault that the Democrats cannot give up on their spending. So don't blame me for reaching out to the Democrats for begging the president to meet with me are trying to find it and don't blame us republicans when we put a reasonable bill together that we actually took democrats ideas oh i almost feel bad for a man who sounds like an entitled fifth grader when their parents are asking for their phone but i said almost because the destructive excuse for a spending bill that kevin and his fellow maggots have voted on is deplorable just to say the least First of all, they're complaining about spending a year after they agreed to spend that money, which is totally a Karen move. And their reason for not wanting to pay their bill is because they're still spending millions of dollars on things that just don't benefit the wealthiest of Americans. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has unveiled the Republican plan to raise the debt ceiling by one and a half trillion dollars. His plan seeks to cancel the president's student loan forgiveness program, reclaim unspent COVID-19 money and rescind new IRS funding. The FBI said that it would need to lay off 11,000 employees. Pell grants would fall by one thousand dollars and 80,000 students would lose eligibility altogether. And one point two million poor Americans with young children would lose food assistance. Six hundred thousand Americans off of Medicaid, 780,000 fewer jobs over the next 10 years. It would have cut 80,000 jobs from the VA health system, cut early childhood education programs, reduce the number of rail safety inspections by 7,500, and shut down 375 air traffic towers around the country. So that, my friends, is what Speaker Kevin McGruber and his merry band of maggots have unanimously voted to inflict on everyday Americans and the only negotiating tool that they have brought with them every time they go to the White House. Since then, they've been playing a game with the media called Democrats Just Want to Spend Your Money. Unfortunately, that kind of boomer tactic just isn't flying with the general public, who are also savvy on the internets and quick with a TikTok. 
a trend that has not been wasted on Democrats like Congresswoman Pramilia Jayapal from Washington State, who set a reporter straight in a spectacular display of ungaslighting the public's conception of Republican fan fiction, claiming that Democrats are what's causing all of this debt ceiling drama. Roll tape. That is exactly the problem. The media reports this as not their fault. Let's tell the truth here. We are not tanking anything. The debt ceiling has been raised because we have an appropriations process, and during the appropriations process, the budget process, we negotiate. The Republicans can try to get whatever they they can there, but then we agree. No, this is important. The American people should hear this. Then we agree on spending. Republicans agree, Democrats agree, we decide, we appropriate money based on what Congress has passed, legislation that we pass in this body, that is democracy. And then when it's time, the debt ceiling is raised to accommodate what we have already passed, Republicans and Democrats, in a democratic process. Yeah, that is exactly how it happens. The worst Kevin in the House can piss and moan about how much money is spent on programs Americans pay into their entire working lives. But that only represents about 10 to 15 percent of the spending budget we're discussing. The majority of government spending actually goes to the U.S. military. And maggots aren't about to defund the military like they're ready to defund grandma's social security checks unless she goes back to work. So when the media reports on these hostage negotiations, like Republicans somehow have a point in wanting to crash the U.S. economy if they can't get their authoritarian wish list that they voted on, that is beyond disingenuous. It's CNN-level journalism, and we really don't need that right now. And by the way, it's not me calling the Republicans and what they're doing with the debt ceiling a hostage situation. Florida's biggest forehead and alleged child sex trafficker Matt Gates said this when he was asked by a reporter about the debt ceiling. So would you say then the conservatives like yourself are becoming more pessimistic about the state of negotiations if, you know, there's a bipartisan deal in sight maybe? Or how would you like characterize the mood among your conservative colleagues right now? I think my conservative colleagues, for the most part, support Limit Save Grow and they don't feel like we should negotiate with our hostage. And there you have it, folks. A glimpse into the deranged, gigantic head of a member of the maggot Republican Party. A consortium of poorly educated, white, angry folks who are currently holding the U.S. economy hostage until their terrorist demands are met. Currently, we have until June 5th to default. So, thoughts and prayers. No, wait a minute. The Democrats are smarter than a fifth grader, and they actually have a plan to take back control of this hostage situation. And they want to do it via something called a discharge petition. And you might ask yourself, what is a discharge petition? And I would tell you, a discharge petition is a clever way of getting a bill out of committee and straight onto the floor for a vote. In other words, Congress could vote on raising the debt ceiling separate from any of that bullshit budget discussions, effectively taking the leverage away from the worst Kevin and his entitled band of domestic terrorists. 
The Democrats have all 213 Democrats signed on to this petition, but they need five Republicans to do the right thing, perhaps for the first time in their privileged Caucasian lives. But to be honest, it's probably not going to happen, especially since the Republicans, and I mean all the Republicans, left D.C. on Thursday, you know, to get ahead of the Memorial Day weekend traffic, leaving behind all the Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who had this to say. You know, we're here on the last day of this session. Republicans have decided to skip town. This debt ceiling uh, debate really is about is the fact that Republicans have run up a bill that they now do not want to pay. They have run up this bill with extremely excessive military spending, with extraordinary tax cuts for the wealthiest people in this country. They are accusing Democrats of saying we spend too much. And to that, I say that Republicans give away too much, especially money that doesn't belong to them. And no matter what happens with this debt ceiling, folks, it is important to remember we've got just two things to think about when we go to that voting booth next year. Number one, Republicans proposed and voted to cut funding programs that encompass only 15% of the budgeted spending, but directly impacts hundreds of millions of American adults and children while increasing the U.S. military budget and keeping the Orange Mussolini tax cuts for the wealthy. Number two, Republicans are currently using the U.S. economy, grandma's social security checks, the housing security for millions and millions of Americans, and so much more as leverage to force their fascistic version of capitalism onto Americans or crash the economy. And while we're on the subject of the Republican Party's symphony of destruction, there is a new vertically challenged excuse for a man putting his white hood into the ring for the Republican presidential 2024 nomination. Announcing on Twitter the last bastion of right-wing bigotry on the internet, the anti-woke meatball himself, Ron, you can't make this shit up, DeSantis, revealed his intentions to the world in the most dollar store way possible. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis officially launched his 2024 campaign in a live, glitch-filled Twitter Spaces announcement that had a fraction of the live stream audience of a giraffe giving birth and an exploding watermelon. Rollout on Twitter did begin with a technical issue and a crash. Uh, the event was delayed with those technical difficulties. Ron DeSantis got the world's most embarrassing 404 error. Over 20 minutes of technical difficulties. I don't know about you, but between the obvious bigotry of announcing your candidacy for president on a social media platform known for being a safe space for white supremacists, coupled with the fact that Elon Muskrat can't run a company anywhere but deep, deep into the ground. This was the perfect beginning to what may become known in the not-so-distant future as Ronald's Last Stand. Since publishing a book written by someone else, Florida's worst governor has been talking a lot about making America Florida. In fact, he declared himself courageous enough to be brave enough. At least that's what he named his book. And in it, he had a dingle brain scheme con cocked within a chapter called the Florida Blueprint, where he discusses how 
America would be so much better if it were more like Florida. This isn't even a coherent thought, considering all the shenanigans coming out of that flaccid State of the Union. Under Ron DeShitstein, things down south have gone so bad, the NAACP just made this announcement. A strong warning from the NAACP. Travel to Florida at your own risk. The NAACP claims the state has become hostile towards African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ individuals. I think what the governor and the Florida State Legislative Body have done is create a very hostile environment for many individuals. And considering that he's now seeking to become the president of the United States, what he has done in Florida could potentially happen in 49 other states. Uh, that is un-American, is undemocratic, and we need to heed the warning of his, of how he thinks now before it's too late. You know, that man has a really, really good point, and one that I personally have been making on this show. Joining the NAACP is the Human Rights Campaign, the Florida Immigrant Coalition, the League of United Latin American Citizens, and many, many other groups who are out there warning everyone, hey, don't go to Florida. Disney, who has been in a legal battle with the dumb fucks administration for quite a while now, just pulled out of a deal for an estimated $1 billion project that would bring on top of all of that money 2,000 high-paying jobs. But now they're not coming to Florida because their governor isn't just an asshole, he's a total dick. If this walking, talking Napoleon complex got anywhere near the White House, we would see the literal implementation of the plot to idiocracy spread across the fruited plains and amber waves of grain. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to see that. I like reading books, and I don't care that white people are uncomfortable. I don't think that trans kids belong in foster care because evangelicals don't like the way some people parent. I don't think that a woman should be forced to be pregnant and then carry that baby to term before she was even aware that she was pregnant. I like eating fruits and vegetables, and I want them delivered to my grocer. I also like construction sites because that means more things will be built. But we all know that DeSantis has a problem with immigrants. And I don't like waiting in long lines at the gas station. You know, lines that may be longer than the Great Wall of China. Although, now that I think about it, he's probably going to use that as a bragging, right? Let's all collectively just say no to this tiny creep in an oversized coat. That kind of shit needs to stay in Florida, where it belongs. And now for something completely different. Thanks to Dominion Voting Systems, we know now that Fox, not a news channel, lied to their audience when it came to Grumpy Tangerine's big lie. And you'd think that having to pay out a settlement of nearly a billion dollars over deceiving their viewers would have been enough of an incentive for them not to continue lying. But <laughs> you'd be wrong. Recently, Fox reported on a story that would make their military-loving, immigrant-hating viewers go full-on Karen. Picture it. 2023. And homeless U.S. veterans who'd been given shelter in a local hotel were now being moved out of their rooms 
to make room for immigrants from the southern border. And here's how Fox recounted that tale. In an upstate county, New York, homeless yes. veterans being housed at that hotel who are being thrown out of that hotel to make room for illegal immigrants. An administration that would find it okay to kick American veterans out of a hotel to put illegal immigrants into it probably doesn't have a good handle on what security or border security is. The Biden administration, Governor Hochul, and the city of New York, they all have a part in this. Officials are prioritizing illegal migrants over everyday New Yorkers. Outrage is flowing after homeless U.S. military veterans were booted from a hotel so illegal immigrants could have their room. You know, a president that would leave Americans stranded in Afghanistan probably doesn't see the onus to take care of 20 veterans in a hotel. The brave men and women who risked their lives to keep America free now being kicked to the curb because of the disaster unfolding on our border. Homeless vets who served our great country, they're being put out on the street and replaced by illegal immigrants. Homeless veterans were tossed out of their temporary housing, so illegals, they have to have a place to stay. But we know what the intention was. Second-class citizens are veterans. And as I said, we've seen homeless veterans getting booted out of hotels and, and facilities to make way for these illegals. Well. <laughs> The way they put it on 15 different shows airing on Fox for nearly a week. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Too bad for them. None of it was true. Joining the fake news chorus was Sharon Tony Finch, the director of a foundation for veterans. She claimed she knew of 20 veterans who had been forced out of their hotel rooms for immigrants so they could have somewhere to stay. And New York State Assemblyman Brian Mayer brought a prop to back up Sharon's fairy tale. Mayer produced a receipt showing $37,000 had been spent to house veterans at a hotel. There's just one problem with that receipt. It's a fake. According to the journalistic wonders over at Mid-Hudson News, who called the hotel to you know, check up on the ousted vets and that receipt, only to find out that that receipt was fake using different fonts and serial numbers that the hotel doesn't use when they create their receipts. Not only that, but the hotel doesn't have any record of the $37,000 payment, nor is there any evidence that the veterans in question were ever guests at that hotel. Not only that, but the hotel had vacancies during the time when all of this was supposedly going on. And <laughs> if you thought that was a lot, man, hold on to your seat because there's more. Sharon, the founder of the Veterans Foundation, the one who claimed that she relocated 20 vets to another hotel on her foundation's dime. Mid-Hudson News contacted that hotel and the hotel said, no, Sharon's lying. No veterans, no rooms rented by Sharon or her foundation. She literally just made this all up. And here, my friends, is the icing on the cake. 
several homeless men, not veterans, had come forward to say they had been recruited for this scam. They were told they were going to meet with an elected official for a discussion on homelessness and were each promised $200 along with food and alcohol. After eating and drinking at a diner, the CEO of the nonprofit told them they were going to a meeting where she would be explaining how they had been kicked out of a hotel to make room for migrants and coach them to, and I quote here, to act like we were the veterans that had been displaced. The CEO admitted to the Mid-Hudson News that she provided the men from the shelter to appear as if they were displaced vets, but denies offering to pay them. Ah, the plot thickens, because it wasn't just a lie. It was a premeditated fake story, created, financed, and implemented by a right-wing asshole named Sharon, who herself is a veteran, by the way. Complete with fake veterans, you know, for Oscar appeal. And to add insult to injury, Sharon didn't actually pay those homeless men that she recruited to pretend to be homeless veterans kicked out of a hotel. For Sharon, the scam is kind of like Dante's Inferno. There are layers of lies that affect everyone. Unwitting homeless dudes promise 200 bucks all the way through to Fox and 15 teleprompter reading automatons who work for a company that definitely is not a news channel and caters to an audience who happen to already hate immigrants. And after all that damage was done, Fox decided to roll out their senior resident blondie for a bit of clarification on their favorite story of the week. Cue Laura Ingram to do the honors. All right, before we go, a little update on a story we brought you this week about homeless vets being displaced from hotels so that illegals could move in. Turns out the group behind the claim made it up. We have no clue as to why anyone would do such a thing, but we'll bring you any updates should they come. Oh, spoken like a woman who thinks she and the network she works for has absolutely no culpability in spreading a fake story through the news cycle because it feeds into her audience's appetite for justification of their bigotry toward immigrants. Laura, may I call you that? Maybe you should ask yourself why you don't pick up the phone and call any of the hotels wrapped up in this onion of lies to find out whether or not there was any proof that Sharon might, but definitely wasn't, telling the truth. I realize that's something you may have to do personally now that Fox just fired their entire investigation unit to, you know, save money since they'll be paying out Dominion for lying. But is that really a bridge too far to try and, you know, fact check before you run with a story, you know, like a news organization does? <laughs> Instead, like the virus alternative facts are, this lie spread throughout the Republican ecosystem from presidential hopefuls like Nikki Haley on Twitter all the way to the Senate floor. No, seriously, the most factless Republican rep from Indiana, Todd Young, said this. In New York City, where illegal migrants have displaced homeless veterans in hotels, Mayor Eric Adams said, quote, the president and the White House have failed this city. Even the worst Kevin chimed in using this fake story to falsely claim the Biden administration, quote, has been spewing lies about veterans being hurt by Republicans debt increase, unquote. 
which is another layer of lies being told. Thanks a lot, Kevin. And by the way, Kevin is conveniently forgetting that back in January of this year, his house voted on border funding and 191 Republicans, including Kevin himself, voted against that bill. In other words, you can't create a problem, react to that problem by blaming your opposition and then offer a solution to your problem without somebody noticing. And while we're on the subject of total dicks pulling a fast one, here's the most disturbing trend coming out of Republican-controlled states, which in this day and age is saying a lot, considering everything Republicans are doing right now is straight-up diabolical. Nevertheless, we are bombarded by a consistent cry to save the children from drag shows, books, historically accurate history lessons, and yet nowhere in these calls to preserve the sanctity of childhood is there a peep about why corporate shills are loosening existing child labor laws or just getting rid of them altogether. Iowa and Minnesota introduced bills to loosen age regulations as well as workplace safety protections. If passed, Minnesota's bill would allow 16 and 17-year-olds to work construction jobs. Iowa's proposed change would allow 14 and 15-year-olds to work certain jobs in meatpacking plants. The proposal would also protect the business from civil liability if a student worker is sickened, injured, or killed on the job. Governor Sanders signed the Youth Hiring Act of 2023 into law. This allows those younger than 16 years old to work without having to get an employment certificate. Wisconsin lawmakers approved a bill that would allow 14 and 15 year olds to work until 11 p.m. on some days. The proposed bill would allow teens under the age of 16 to instead work from 6 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. on school nights and 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. when they don't have school the next day. Spoiler alert. It's the party of family values that is behind this hypocritical destruction of childhood, which shouldn't be surprising at all if you've been to Sunday school. These are the same people who want to legalize forced birth while simultaneously removing all safety net programs designed to help women raise children. Their brand is hypocrisy and their delivery method is gaslighting. For example... That bullshit happening in Arkansas, Iowa, Wisconsin, Missouri, and many other states with loosening child labor laws because adult workers are old enough to know that they deserve a living wage and have been demanding one or they are refusing to go back to work for those cheapskates, leaving lots of small and large companies crying, no one wants to work anymore. We're certainly in a tight labor market right now, but trying to relax our child labor laws at a point we're seeing more and more violations seems to me a very wrong-headed policy. And the legislators justifying it because we need more workers. There is a federal law, so kids can't work in mining, they can't work in meatpacking because they cause serious injuries. And what Iowa wants to do is just thumb their noses at the federal law and say, no, in our state, we are going to endanger children. That's how we're going to answer the labor crisis. It's a well-known secret that companies are lobbying legislators that they've donated to to either reboot or remove child labor laws so they can hire children instead of paying adults higher wages or at the very least a living wage. And unfortunately this offense crosses party lines 
like in New Jersey, where Democrat Governor Phil Murphy signed into law in 2022, allowing children under the age of 16 to work up to 50 hours a week during summer vacation. So where did all these total dicks get the idea to funnel children into the workforce as a replacement for that labor shortage, which is really just a wage shortage perpetuated by employers that those over the age of 18 aren't willing to fall victim to anymore? Well, if you guessed a dark money-fueled right-wing think tank, <laughs> you'd be correct. The Foundation for Government Accountability, a Florida-based conservative think tank, has been convincing Republicans to allow kids as young as 14 to work longer hours and in arguably more dangerous conditions. That has been active in especially Arkansas, Missouri, and, and Iowa, even to the extent of sending lawmakers sample bill text, here is a bill, please introduce it. And those went through almost zero vetting process. And just when you thought these Republicans, like the Neolithic embarrassment from Georgia or insurrectionist Barbie from Colorado, couldn't possibly be writing these nonsensical bills to allow children to go to work, well, you were right all along. Not only aren't Republicans in state houses and on Capitol Hill writing these bills to put adults out of work and children into work, but they're literally signing their name on pre-1938 type shit and promoting it like there's nothing wrong when they turn around and say, hey, I'm pro-life. Pro-life, you mean like literally breathing as a definition of life? Explain to me how pro-life it is when states are legally allowing companies to get out of liability when a child is working for them and then gets injured or unfortunately dies on the job. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Iowa. What the actual fuck? And how is it pro-life to say that a child could be working late on a school night when education is literally the only resource an average child has to possibly think about becoming successful at some point in their life? This is really about corporations paying think tanks to write bills that Republicans will submit, vote for, and then sign into law, which benefits no one but themselves. And children working more means less high school and college graduates, which means more people will grow up and live in poverty, ultimately working for less money just so they can pay some of their bills. So I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like this is a way to ensure indentured servitude and explains why the calls on Capitol Hill by poorly educated and recently divorced maggots to defund the education system have been met with state Republicans pushing bills by right wing think tanks to reroute taxpayer money to privately owned charter schools that Republicans have money in. You see how this goes round and round and round? That's all I've got to say about that. New episodes of this week, again, air every Sunday. And you can follow us on social media wherever you can find us. This week, again, is available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this show. And to for now.